morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee with Tea, and I'm Tea, and we are here to have some real conversation right now. So, Lindu, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me, first of all, on your show, Trey. I really appreciate it. A um, little bit about myself. Um, like you said, I got a book coming out soon. Um, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations in my life. Um, you know, we talked about doing a radio show, um, me and you. That's how me and you met. And um, I'm just here to basically give a male perspective and let people know and try to give some education and have some dialogue between black men and black women so that we can get some understanding. Um, I think it's a lot of times we go at each other and we don't have understanding. So hopefully I can shed some light on some things and, you know, we can we can learn from each other. Mm, I love it. Yes, yes. We do have a communication gap. And I feel like, first of all, again, if you just tuned in, welcome to Coffee with Tea and I'm Tea. And we are here to talk about are black men feeling abandoned and betrayed by black women? Have we as mothers given our sons abandonment issues and now attacking them for the very issues we created? Have black women's empowerment become the black man's worst nightmare? Have we lost sight of who we are in a black man's life? Is society pushing us further and further away from our black men and encouraging us to tear them down? Join me and Lindu right now as we have this real discussion. So Lindu, last week I was talking a lot about parenting and about mother and son relationships. So I just want you to, I really want to touch on this because I really feel the importance of mother and son relationships. I really feel like a mother is the first woman to disappoint her son. And if that disappointment is not handled, I feel like she's the first woman to damage her son because my son's... Um, we're going to talk about our realities about mothers, too. So my son okay. had to deal with the fact that I committed adultery. So we talked a little bit on the back end a couple days ago. So my son had to deal with the fact that, and this is what goes through a person's mind. We don't have this sugar-coated version of my mother committed adultery and my mother cheated. What goes through our mind as a child is my mother's a whore, right, who committed adultery and took right. us out of the house with our father. So I had a real chat with my son, and I asked my son about everything we went through. And I said, how did it make you feel? Uh, everything that went on with me and your father about women. And my son said to me, mommy, now that we're healing and going through, I don't want you to feel some kind of way, but it made me not want a woman like you. Mm, wow. But, yeah, right. Because I'm an adulteress. I'm not anymore because, you know, we do the work, we heal, we grow. So I want you to talk a little bit. And I told you on our back call that my mm. mom smoked crack. And, mm. and alcoholic, and that was one of the hardest things for me to say because in my mind, that is people thinking your mother's a crackhead, which is the truth, but to have to live that hard truth, I want you to talk a little bit about your mother and your relationship with your mom. Well, my mom died when I was six years old, so I didn't really have too much of a, of a relationship with her. Um, I knew a cer certain amount of things about her as I was young. But um, I really didn't live with my mom too much. I bounced around a lot. Even in my early years, my mom didn't take care of me because she was on drugs, her and my father. She ended up passing away from HIV AIDS when I was about six years old. So that living with that stigma of my mom passing away from AIDS and being on drugs and things like that, that was hard because you have to explain that, you know, as you're coming up. And um, I remember going to school and my aunts, you know, dropping me off at school and kids asking you, yo, is that your mother? Is that your mother? And you got to explain, no, that's my aunt. And they're like, oh, where your mother? Oh, she died. Oh, what happened? You know, so that was always something that I dealt with. Um, and then you question, you question why your mother made the decisions that she made. You know, you don't, you start to feel like, okay, well, maybe she didn't love me. Maybe she didn't care about us. You know, maybe she chose her lifestyle over, you know, what 
was important and we felt like we were important. I got two sisters. So we felt like we were important, but we may look at it like, oh, my mom didn't care enough about us. You know, as you get older, you realize drugs is a disease and you realize, you know, people make life decisions and things happen. But as a child growing up, you just want answers so that, you know, it affects you. It affected me definitely from the women that I dated in my life, from the choices that I made. A lot of decisions um, affected me because of what my mom, what I seen with my mom and embarrassment. You know, you don't want to tell anybody that your mom died from AIDS and that your mom was on drugs. You don't want to, you know, so you live with a certain type of shame as you as you're coming up you know so that was difficult um but you know you get through it and i had a strong family around me i bounced around a lot i moved around a lot but at the same time i still had some type of rearing from my aunts and my uncles who were able to guide me in the right direction so to say that your mom and i just want women to understand this this is my main focus for this month and these mondays is I want women to understand that black men hurt too, right? So to be to have to sit here and say to me, and you know we have these conversations personally. My son is on here. Hey, Stephen, we have these conversations personally with our when we go into to dating, right? So we talk yeah. about relationships with our mothers, and we talk about our family. So how is that when you have to, like you said, the stigma of me having to say, having to say. My mom smoked crack. My mom was a crackhead. For my son to have to say, my mom committed adultery. You know, my mom, basically, to everybody else in society, adultery, is, it means that you're a whore. How does mm -hmm. it feel to have to have a conversation with somebody to say that your mom died from AIDS? That's like, that's heavy for me. To even, for me to even hear you say that if I was on a date with you. Right. How does right. that go through your mind when you're trying to process when they say, well, what happened to your mom? Because you say, my mom died when I was six. You're like, oh. Right, right. That's what you get. Now, in my earlier years, I wouldn't be honest. They would ask me, oh, she was sick, you know, and I'll leave it at that. I didn't really go into detail. It didn't, it didn't, I didn't start going into detail until I got older. I became more self-aware. I became more self-confident. Then I was able to explain to whoever I felt needed it. It should be explained to because everybody don't need to know that, you know, but right. if I felt a connection with somebody and I felt like I can keep it real with them, then I would speak on that. But, um, you know, you got to deal with the way they're perceived, you know, because some people hold that against you and some people look at you like you're damaged and like you got issues and everything like that. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a learning process and trying to, um, you know, trying to figure it out and trying to uh, get through it. So. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, a male friend of mine. We got into a really deep conversation because I was talking to him about how I wanted to help men, right? And I mm -hmm. said, oh, women have all these empowerment conferences and we show up. Men right. are not showing up for certain events, right? So where do you go for help? Mm. I go, well, I'm in therapy now. Okay. So I just started therapy about two months ago. You know what I mean? So for me, you turn to self-medication, you know what I mean? For me, I dealt with my pain, but I used to smoke weed, you know what I mean? So I used to smoke weed a lot. I dealt with it like that. You deal with it by dealing with different women. Me personally, that's how I dealt with it. You know, I always had different women. I always dealt with, and older women too. And I dealt with older women now realizing that you're looking for something because your mom wasn't there. I didn't realize that when I was young, but I understand that now. So if you look at my history, it was always older women and I was always, you know, clinging to, to them. You see what I'm saying? And just multiple women because you're trying, to, you're trying to get away from something. You're trying to get away from your past. You know what I mean? You're trying, to, you're trying to mask it the best way that you can. So, you know, that's what I was doing. And a lot of us are doing that. 
Right, I, totally. Because you know, my one of my movements is hashtag no side chicken. Because I believe that men self medicate off women when, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. I feel like when a man fails, like if he doesn't get the promotion at the job, or if he loses his job, or if his kid doesn't make it into something that he wants, like a football player, basketball player. I feel like for me, this is just my perception. When men fail, it's easy for them, married men, men in relationships to self-medicate with a woman because they feel validated when they out somewhere and they get that attention and I just failed and I got to go home and tell my wife and I know she going to be moaning and complaining about, well, what's next? And I got these responsibilities, but this chick over here at the bar at the gym is he, he, ha, ha. Oh, you so handsome. So like a self-medicating thing that we need to be aware of. Of course. Okay. Of course, because as a man, when you're young, you going through that, you just telling yourself, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a player. You know, I get girls. You know, this is what I do. You know what I mean? That's what you're telling yourself. But as you get older, nah, you got a situation. You, 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 this is a problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't realize it when you're young until you get some self-awareness. And you definitely, because when a woman is feeding your ego and she's telling you, like you said, how handsome you are, you this, you good in the bedroom, you blah, 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 that takes away from your failures. You start to feel like a man now. You know what I mean? You start to feel like, okay, I do this well. I, 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 I'm getting this admiration from this woman, so now I can have my head held up high. Even though if it's false or whatever, you still feel like that. So it wasn't until I opened my own business, Mind Right Daily. I opened my t-shirt line. I started to go to therapy. I started to do more things to fulfill myself to where I was thinking like, okay, I'm dealing with the problem now. A lot of us are not dealing with it. We just keep going into our late 30s, 40s, and still have these same behaviors. Wow. Let me stop. Let me stop you right there. You said a lot mm-hmm. of you are not dealing with it. One, what made you go to therapy? And two, why a lot of you not dealing with it? Um, what made me? I've always been the type to be reflective. I always, always try to be self-aware. I don't know if that was just God given or whatever, but I think a lot. So I never wanted to be the type of person to just go through life without wanting to change and wanting to be better. So it just came from me wanting to be better. So I'm like, and I think a lot of men have a lot of ego and a lot of pride and they think if I go tell somebody my business, I'm weak, I'm soft, I'm a punk. You know what I mean? They don't want to do that. So it's like a stigma on therapy or I'm crazy or you know what I'm saying? I can't handle my business as a man. So it's a lot of that pride and ego that you got to put to the side in order to go say, I need some help. I need to work on myself. I want to be better. You know what I mean? It has to, you have to want to be better. Has society made you guys as men, and I know you talk to black men, and I do too, and I get a lot of truth from black men who are not in a relationship with me because there's no consequences to their actions if they have a real conversation with me. But has society made you feel like, has society made the black man feel like asking for help is shameful and a weakness? Definitely. Definitely, because, you know, as a black man, you're getting attacked from so many different angles as far as the police, as far as your own brothers, some women, I'm not going to say all, some women attack us. Um, so you get attacked from every, every angle. So you have to stand up. You have to be able to say, okay, I need to be, you don't have time to say I'm, I'm, I'm weak or I need help right now. You don't have time to say that. You really mm-hmm. don't because you got people that's either criticizing you or depending on you. So it's like, like you said, men hurt too. Men need healing and everything like that. The average woman, I can't say the average woman, but a lot of women be like, stop crying. Like, be a man. You know what I'm saying? Right. And we hear that coming up. So it's like, in your head, you don't want to be looked at as weak ever. You know, so. And, and black men have been taught to solve problems. How right. does it feel? Because I need women to understand that black men have been 
programmed and taught that my job is to solve a problem, right? How mm -hmm. does it make you feel when issues are going on around you that are close to you? Maybe your sister, maybe your, you know, I don't think you don't have any children, right? No. Maybe no. your sister, your aunties, your whatever. How does it feel when you can't solve that problem? You feel you feel helpless to a degree. Um, you know, you kind of, it depends on the problem, you know, how big the problem is. Mm -hmm. But you, your initial reaction is to want to help and to want to save and to want to, you know, that's your initial feeling. And when you can't do that, that's when depression comes in. That's when the uh, self-pity comes in. And a lot of black men are dealing with that walking around, but we, it's not being talked about. But you can see it in their behaviors. You can see it in their decisions that they make. So you're like, but, you know, it's just not talked about. That's the thing. It's like if you're... Right. If your sister is showing her rent or something like that, and here you are, her older brother, and she's dealing with men doing her dirty, but you're supposed to be able to come in and do it, but you can't do it because your job don't pay you enough. You know, that's stuff that you're thinking about when you're laying down, when you're in the shower, when you're by yourself, you know, but you're not talking about it. But it's the underlying depression that's still going to be hanging over top of you, you know what I mean? Because you can't take care of your, your family like that. Because every man wants to take care of their family, at least their immediate family that's around them. So. And you mentioned the word shame. And I listened to a podcast on shame. And me and my girl, Steph, we, we were talking about shame a little bit. Stephanie McNeil, who's my girl who gave me this cup that I love, pro women. And we talked about shame. And I wanted to ask you, a lot of times they say, angry black woman, angry black man. For, for the angry black man, see, I say for angry black women, we're not angry black women. We're disappointed. We're disappointed in society. So for, for men, I feel like, and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, because I have you here speaking for the men today. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's angry black men. I think men are being shamed. And shame shows up as anger to defend yourself when you feel shame. Because I feel like black men are being shamed everywhere they go based on what the what media shows the majority of black men are doing. Black men are deadbeat dads. Black men don't have jobs. Black men don't do this. And they're not highlighting the successful black men in our life because there are a lot of them. First of all, I wanted to tell you too at the beginning that I love you as a brother. I love our black Thank men. You. I don't care. I've been hurt by black men, a couple, few of them. My own, you know, disappointed by my own children sometimes. But I love black men and I'm never going to base my opinion on what two men did to me based on the fact of, of their experiences in life. So do you think that Men are, they're not angry black men, but you guys are being shamed so much that the yeah. shame manifesting as anger. Yeah, because it's, you know, all anger comes from hurt. So, you know, just like the black women are disappointed and hurt, that's why the anger turns into anger. Same thing with the black men. You know, we hurt. You know, I'm still dealing with hurt from my parents and things right. that I went through. So it's going to turn into anger at some point. You're dealing with a lot of the society that we live in, especially in America all the police brutality and all of these things, black men, you know, you're dealing with that. So that turns into, but we have to get to the point where we can't see, we can see past the anger and see where it's coming from. And that's the problem. We have to get to the root of it to see, okay, it's not anger, it's hurt. And why are you hurting? Right. Now let's deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause we're not dealing with that. Because so talk about the shame of your mother being on drugs, the shame of your mother mm -hmm. dying from AIDS. I think that we all deal with a level of shame somewhere in our lives. Like I have, I had, I had shame because my mother smoked crack, and mm -hmm. that was shameful to me. But like you said, it was an addiction. 
So right. we have to let go of our parenthood. I want to ask you this question. Our time is running out so fast, but I want to ask you this. If there was one thing that you could say to or ask your mother, what would that be? Wow, that's heavy. Um, I would ask her, what, what does she love? That's Ooh. what I would Wow. You know, what does she love? You know, because I'm, that tells me a lot about who she was. Cause I didn't know a lot about who she was. So if I could ask her, what does she truly love? That, that would be something I would want to know. Would you, would you want that response to be you? Oh, it don't, it really don't matter. You know what I mean? I really want to know. It doesn't have to be me. Right. Because whatever her answer is, it will give me insight to her, to who she is and what she, who she really is as a person. So I just want an honest answer. It don't have to be me. Wow. Know? I'm, that's oh, you about to make me cry. Don't make me cry, Linda. It's too early in the morning for this. So, do you think that? And we're talking about the the women. And our topic today is: Are black men feeling abandoned and uh, attacked by black women? Do you feel like black women are attacking black men, and that society is pushing us apart from each other? Well, first of all, let me say this: I think oh, I think uh, black women support us a lot. They do. Um, some black women do attack us. We got the whole Gail and Oprah thing. Of course, we're talking about that, and that's, you know, on the forefront right now. And, um, yes, I feel like they are attacking black men. But um, I feel like some um, black women do attack black men because of the hurt, the shame, everything that they went through. Right. So all they know is, oh, black men ain't this, that, and you know what I'm saying? They looking for the negative in the black man, you know what I'm saying, because of what they went through. But I feel like some do. I don't think it's all. I think more of, of you guys support us. You know what I'm saying? But I think some are disappointed and have not gotten over that disappointment. So they tend to just attack. I see it all the time on social media by the things that they say. You know, I see it even out in public sometimes by the things that some black women say. You right. know, so it's like, you know, even indirectly talking around their kids, you know, putting those messages into their kids' heads. Wow. So, is is that goes on all the time because you got a little black boy, he's gonna be a black man at some day. So if you on the phone talking about his father or talking about some guy you dating, how blah 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 you putting that message in his head. You see what I'm saying? These niggas ain't blah blah blah, you know? So it's like even that way I see it. So So talk a little bit about your experience of and we know that your book is coming out, A House Without a Home, How I Overcame Homelessness. And, and you weren't homeless, so to speak, in a box or, you know, mm -hmm. out on the street. But you were homeless based on the experience of your mom not being there from six years old. And you have to right. move around from family to family. Even though it was family, talk about that experience of how that made you feel. Did it make you feel less than? Did it make you feel? Because we want to talk about the man issues that get us here to where okay. men can't communicate with us. And everybody has their own issues. But I want to speak on that of you not having your mother from the age of six to bouncing around from pillar to post, from house to house. How did that make you feel and how did you handle that? Yeah, so moving from different family member to different family member, especially as a kid, it was hard because you never get that sense of stability. You know, you never get that sense of feeling home. And different things were said in different households from my aunts and uncles. And it always was a thing was, when your father get himself together, you're leaving. So you never felt comfortable. You never felt like this was a permanent space for you. That was the constant narrative. So you grow up just really feeling like you can't really be vulnerable. 
You see what I'm saying? You can't really like, all right, this is my home. I'm going to be here. And I'm still dealing with that to this day. That's right. my energy therapy, trying to, trying to get that, you know, get that feeling away. But yes, it made me feel as though you're going from this aunt and now you're going to another aunt. Then you're going to an uncle and then you're going to these different places. Now you're dealing with different personalities and different houses. Now you don't want to feel like a burden because as a kid, you don't want to do something that's going to make them say, oh, you got to get out or they don't want you here. Now they all, and then they have their own sets of kids. They got their own kids already. So right. it's like, you're not their kid. And you know, this is my aunt, this is my uncle. But in your head, you know, like, this is not my, you know, so nobody's going to love you like your father or your mother would love you. You get what I'm saying? So you yeah. deal with that lack of love and it's, 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 it's hard. And I dealt with it. Like I said, in my ways, I self-medicated right away. I smoked a lot of weed. I dealt with a lot of women. I just, you know, did other things to keep my mind off of it. But it's something that's it's, it's, it's hard. It definitely was hard. So based on all of that, you said you didn't want to do anything wrong. So you became yeah. a pleaser because you didn't want to rock the boat or you couldn't speak up really for yourself because... But not to cut you off, no. I would go the opposite sometimes. I would be a little defiant because oh. I'm upset. So right. I got to it with some of my uncles and my aunts because I always had an opinion. And I always wanted to say what I wanted to say because I felt back into a corner like, damn, if I say something wrong, what if they say, oh, you got to move tomorrow? You know right. what I'm saying? Because I, I know that feeling. I remember being 10 years old, coming home, and they saying, okay, you're going to move with your aunt across town. Wow. And you're like, what? You know what I'm saying? You're like, you know, so knowing that that can happen at any given time, that I felt back into a corner. So I would be defiant and be, you know, want to poke my chest out just because I felt hurt, you know? So now with communication, with your communication now, based mm -hmm. on the fact that you felt like you had to stand up for yourself or sometimes you had to back down for yourself, mm -hmm. when you have to deal with a woman, because now you got to deal with women based on your experiences, how has that affected you trust-wise? Because not knowing, are y'all going to put me out if I say something? Are y'all going to put me out if I eat the cupcake? You know what I'm saying? Because right, right. how does that affect your trust muscle? It kills your trust and it kills your vulnerability. Your vulnerability. It doesn't make you feel like you can 100% be comfortable. You know what I mean? Because you're so used to moving around, bouncing around. You're so used to somebody may not like this, so you got to go. Right. You know? It just, it doesn't give you a sense of, all right, I'm going to work this out. It gives you a sense of, I don't like this, I got to go. Because I've been moving all my life, so it don't matter. You know, so you just get up and go. So, you don't work so many women, I want women to hear that because we are crucifying the men in our lives, right? We're crucifying the black men in our lives and we're not looking at the lens that they grew up in. Because what you said to me, really, if we was dealing with each other, like if we was in a relationship mm. and you shared this with me, mm. I could deal with you so much better to know this is why he acting like this. Because we're trying to figure this out as women. Why is he... Right acting like this and I'm bending over backwards, I'm doing backflips, I'm not her. I'm not your mm -hmm. mother, I'm not your auntie, I'm not your sister, but I don't know how to deal with you because you won't communicate with me and be vulnerable based on the fact that you don't trust from the experiences you had with your family. So how do we get past this? Because we are frustrated because we didn't do right. it to you. So how do we right. have these conversations to get you to say, because you're vulnerable with me. Cause you don't have to right. sleep next to me. Right, true, true. Told me, he said, Trey, I could talk to you 
because there ain't gonna be no consequences to my actions. But if exactly. I have an old girl in the bed next to me, she might throw this up in my face. She, might, she may not like me anymore. Right. So how yeah. do we deal with the men that we dealing with to have a real? I, I like you. Like what you just mm -hmm. said. Like I like like yo, right. this, dude. Like this what right. you've been through. So how can we get to that part of you when we your girl? I think you got to ask the right questions. And I think when you ask the questions, you have to calm your reaction down. You can't, they say, oh, my mother, my mother had AIDS and she died. You can't, what? Your mother had AIDS and she died? Oh my, you got to, okay. You kind of got to know how to be an interviewer. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's communication skills. You got to bring stuff out of them and pay attention to them and see what's a soft spot. See what's a spot where he's getting a little hesitant of his words. But he's not really saying too much around this. Ask the right questions. Ask about his childhood. You know, right. but you got to ask this stuff early, you know? And when you ask about his childhood, you may have to not ask direct questions. You may have to go around the questions to get what you really want. You see what I'm saying? You, it's a skill. You got to, you know, if you ask a man, have you, have you ever been uh, sexually abused in your life? Most men are going to be like, no. They just got to know they're going to say no. But you can ask, who were you around in your life? Who, 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 who raised you? Now, right. if he starts saying, okay, I moved this one. I moved over here. Okay, so it was other people living in the house with you? How many people was living in the house? You know, you can put the pieces together around to kind of see, like, okay, something might have happened here, but let me keep talking to him to figure this out. You know right. what I mean? Because men, if, tell me, if you ask a man a question directly that he's uncomfortable with, he's not going to answer that nine times out of ten if he's uncomfortable. But if right. you ask it in a way to where you can put it together and pull it out of him, and it takes time because a man's not just going to open up to you out of nowhere. You got to have patience. Right. You know, you got to have patience. And you got to realize who you're dealing with. This man comes from the inner city. He comes from the hood. A lot of us are dealing with broken homes. A lot of us are dealing with issues. You know, so you got to go into it with that mindset. Like, okay, he may have some issues. He may have some things. And it's not your fault. Right. You, you know, women, you know, y'all, oh my God, it's my fault. He, you know, he's doing this to me, to me, to me. No, he's dealing with stuff. They ain't got nothing to do with you. You know what I'm saying? It could be somebody else that's laying there. Don't take it personal. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And once you take a person, you start shutting down. You start getting frustrated with him and oh, he, he this and that. Nah, dealing with stuff, you know. Yeah. So, Woo! I'm about to shout. I'm about to jump up off my couch and shout because that was. <laughs> I hope the ladies are listening because we have to listen to the men without judging or wanting it to. Be. He said exactly what he said, and and as women, right? When y'all say stuff, we want to make it to what we want to hear. But you just said what you said. It ain't about us. And we make it so about us. Because right. like, you just explained a whole lot of stuff about yourself in, in a short period of time from when you were six years old to going to 17 mm. houses and not being comfortable anywhere ever in your life. And you said, my aunt and I would say, when your father got it to get, get it together, you getting out of here. Did your father ever get it together? No, he never got it together. He passed away in, you know, 2009. But he never, he never got himself together. For us to go live, you know what I mean. So, so deal with that. That's that's what I want to know too. So, a fatherless son, and my son said this to me too. We had we just had this conversation because we have conversations all the time. My son, don't, he don't hold no punches. He just be saying what he needs to say. But sometimes I gotta shut him down. <laughs> sometimes I gotta be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said something to me that, and 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 when something stings, it's because there's some truth to it. He said to me, "Yeah, you mm -hmm. were always there." But sometimes emotionally you weren't. 
What, mm. how did it make you feel that your father was alive? And I'm sure he probably showed up sometimes to the best of his ability, yeah. but for yeah. him not to be there emotionally for you to show you how to be a man, what did that look like for you? You just feel abandoned. Mm. You know, you feel abandoned, so you start latching on to different. I tell people all the time, like, rap music raised me. You know, I got my ideas of men from Tupac, from Nas, from, you know, people who I listen to on a daily ba basis whenever my father wasn't there. He, he showed me some things, but on a daily basis, I was listening. I was looking up to them. You know what I mean? I, they, I thought they was cool. I thought that, you know. And a lot of us are being raised on rap music and you know what I mean? Because these are the people who we listening to every day on our way to school, on our way home from school. We talking to our friends about it or people that's in the neighborhood. So you feel abandoned. You feel like you don't have a sense of like family. That's how I felt anyway. You know, I always felt like that. So right. because my uncles had their own kids. Right. So you know? how, how old are you? I'm sure that the women want to know. I'm 36. Are you single? Yeah. Okay, ladies. <laughs> Yeah I'm, sick. yeah, I'm single. Okay, ladies, I'm just asking for the ladies because they might right. want to know. Because you've shared right. some things that make you a real human being. And I say this in my book at the beginning of my book. Men are human beings first. And from the moment the doctor say it's a boy, instead of y'all being human beings, somebody gave me the eyeballs over here. Instead of y'all being human beings, y'all are just males now. And there's some pressures on you that shouldn't be on you at a certain age. What right. are some of the things that you would like to just give women one thing that we should, one important thing that we should know about men? Uh, one important thing, um, I would say understanding a man's ego and pride. Understand that. Every man's ego and pride level is different, but every man has that in him. Right. So once you can understand his ego and understand where he feels prideful at, then you can kind of understand him because a lot of that, how you talk to him is that's ego. You know what you let him do, what he's bringing home far as money wise to the table. That's ego. That's all him feeling like a man. Right. You know what I mean? So, and a man wants to feel like a man. He want to feel like a man. That's just it. So if you can understand how to, if this is your man, make him and understand him, you know, Try to get him to understand that he is a man. And every time that you're, um, let's say you're arguing with him or you're in a conversation with him, don't, I want you to tiptoe around that ego. Like, understand it. You know, it's delicate because a man could go from zero to 60 just off of something you said. Right. You know what I mean? Off of his ego. Like, he feel like you checking him as a man. So just understand the male, the male ego. Do some research on that. It's not always a bad thing for him to have an ego, you know? Right. So. Okay, so it's 9.31. I'm so sorry, y'all, that we got to go, but it's 9.31. But we are going to have a part two, if Lindu would do me the honor of having yeah. part two. I would love to talk about some other things as far as communication, shame. I would like to talk about, you know, is, is it, are we, are there angry black men? And then I would like to know, do you date outside your race? I'm, I'm asking, then I'm a. Who, me? Do I date outside my race? No, I like black women. I'm, I'm, you know, never say never, but I'm not interested. I, I like black women. I'm going a, I'm to a marry a black woman when I get married. That's I'm, not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with interracial dating. That question right. stems from black men feeling abandoned, betrayed, attacked, 
and then we see a black man with a white woman or mm -hmm. a, a woman of a, another race and we go crazy right. but if we if you feel abandoned and attacked what else can you do you know what i'm saying so i want to know like how do because lonnie love said she basically gave up on black men so right, right. and then amanda diva she said all of us on this panel are interracial dating and Amanda Diva said, no, Amanda Seals. I know her from Amanda Diva. She used to be Amanda Diva, yeah. Yeah, you, we go way back. But MTV. Amanda said, no, not all of us. So when we go to get advice from people, we know that it's from their experiences, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we, like I said, my main purpose for this series on Men Hurt 2 is to find out how we can help you from okay. a man perspective because – I, I'm doing some things, and I talked to a friend of mine, like I was saying before, and I was saying, you know, the black men are not coming to us and grow, like, at conferences. Like, black women, we just go, we sit and all of that, and we will get, oh, my goodness, and he did this or this happened. Black men are not coming to the conference. No. So how do we get to you to support you, to love on you, to give you tools that you need to heal? Because... I'm doing, I have my two books, it's Healing Time, Restoring Hope in Women After Infidelity, and it's Healing Time, Men Hurt Too, because I believe that we need to simultaneously heal together, excuse me, together, in mm -hmm. order to have a whole and healthy relationship. But how do we get the book to you? Um, that's, a, that's a tricky one. Um, you got to, the man has to kind of meet you halfway too, you know, right. because he has to want that. You right. know what I mean? He has to want that. Like for me, like, I wanted to go to therapy. I wanted to come and sit here and talk to you. I wanted to do this, you know what I mean? Because I'm at a point in my life where I want to be better. And we got to meet each other halfway. You reached out, you say, listen, I got a book called Healing Time. I'm doing this for men. So I don't know how many men, you know, inbox you or, you know, give you their testimonies and stuff like that. But a lot of men don't, it's just pride. You know what I mean? It's like they feel weak. So you keep doing what you're doing. And I think more men will come and you keep bringing men on your show to say, Yo, it's cool. I like what Charlamagne is doing. Yo, it's cool to go to therapy. It's, it's you know, we got to make it to a point where men say, okay, that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? It's not a bad thing to talk about your feelings. It's not a bad thing to, you know, even drop a tear, shed a tear here and there for something that you feel, you know, that hurt you. You know what I mean? So I think we just have to make it more popular. And I think more men will come. And more women make it more popular. And say it's cool. And don't say, oh, you crying, you a bitch, you crying. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? say more positive things about a man opening up his feelings and he will open up, he will feel comfortable to open up his feelings. Talk to him. Put your hand on his knee. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then he'll, he'll open up. Okay, so thank you so much. Please tell everybody, again, you are tuned into hashtag Coffee with T and I'm T and I'm here every week, every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I do a lot of relationship talking. And on Fridays, I just get loose and do Freestyle Friday. But this month of March, I am going to focus on Monday conversations with men. And the series is called Men Hurt Too. So I'll be talking to different guys about different things to just get some understanding from them and give them a place where they can heal and be vulnerable. This is my boy, Lindu. He has a book coming out, A House Without a Home, How I Overcame Homelessness, where he talks about how his mom passed away from the eight when he was six years old and how he dealt with being shuffled from home to home to home. And like he just spoke on never feeling at home. So I just want you, Lindu, to tell people where you can be found and how they can get your shirts and when your book comes out sure. and all that good stuff. Um, people can find me on Facebook, 
at um Lindu King. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, MindRight973 underscore 213. Um, you can also look for me. All my information is there. My link is in the bio for my shirts. You can either DM me for a shirt or you can go on MindRightDaily.etsy to get you a shirt. Um, I got a new website coming out soon, MindRightDaily.com. That'll be out within the next month. And like Trey said, my book will be out uh, in the summertime. It'll be out sometime in the summer. And I'll be posting all information so you guys can get that. Again, Facebook is Lindu King. And um, MindRight213 underscore 973 is the Instagram. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Thank you. I learned, you just don't understand. I learned so much from you today. And I really appreciate you sitting here being vulnerable as a black man to say that I'm going to therapy. That That is just huge because we have really, really just been like, y'all can't do this and y'all don't need that. But I'm glad that you're getting help. Thank you, everybody on Periscope Facebook for tuning in to Hashtag Coffee with Tea, and that's me. I will be here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find me at www.treykearney.com. If you want more information on Lindu, please do not hesitate to inbox me. I have my book, It's Healing Time, Men Hurt Through Men. Please, women and men, women, get this for your uncle, brother, cousin, nephew. They, they need our help. They need the help to come to them because like Lindu said, Pride and ego has been instilled in them over and over and over again. Don't be sad. Don't ask for help. So let's bring the help to the men. And I also have a book for women. It's Healing Time, Restoring Hope in Women After Infidelity. Somebody said, dude, kilted. Thank you so much. They're giving you the Thank strong you. arm, brother. They ask questions. They love it on you. So please continue to do what you're doing. Me and you, we're going to, you know, we said we're going to collaborate on a whole bunch of other stuff because right. we got to get this together. Simultaneous healing. <laughs> I'll see y'all tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember what I tell you at the end of all my broadcasts? You deserve the best. Yes, I'm talking to you. You deserve the best. Now go get it. Peace and blessings. And remember Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Don't forget to go to the website. There's resources for help. Men, I have a program called Life Skills that will get you from where you are to where you need to be. Go sign up for it. You spend four weeks. No seven weeks with me and we could get these these life skills built up to where you can communicate where you can have resilience and all kind of different things but go to the website the information is there Lindu, i love you my brother from another mother thank you love you too i'll, Thanks. See, you soon. I'll see you guys tomorrow 9 a.m eastern standard time for coffee with tea peace thank you thank you